Hello and welcome back to Half Damage. How are the heroes enjoying my mansion? Well, here's what happened previously. Strahd takes his seat at the head of the table. How have you enjoyed your time in my domain? The Yelp review is not gonna be pretty. <laughs> Our final guest must have arrived. Standing there in leather armor is a anthropomorphic bird-like person. They have a mohawk dyed alternating purple and white colors of the show. You won't be having me for dinner, Str Strahd, tonight. Much like yourselves, our dear friend Fandango here is an adventurer. See, I figured you might need a little extra help after your young friend left you. Fang had a reason. She would never abandon us. But she did. I know firsthand how well that kind of betrayal stings. You hear at the bell going off. Who is this? You, you must be a, a lucky winner. Pleasure to meet you. Fandango is vibrating from excitement. Oh my god, you're a fanboy! I won a contest. I got a bunch of cereal box tops and sent them all in. <laughs> How do we make sure this doesn't happen again? If you defeat me, you could make any demands you wanted if you were to stay on in the show. If you break your contract, would they just kill you? That would be the best case scenario for what would happen. My pal Zavnok being inscrutable. You didn't his eyes close. Sorry and Poncho, you feel a dark, angry, spreading hunger inside of you. Strahd looks down at the table, his body seeming heavy with a wordless grief. I see. Take them to their rooms. I suppose you deserve to know the truth of why I'm here. Your daughter's safe. My people uh, saw to it that she made her way back to her father. What is your organization? We call ourselves the Resistance. We're a group concerned with programs like this. I'm here to make sure this is the last one. Inside of a sanctum, inside of a hut, inside of a looming castle, you three heroes that have been together from the beginning stand listening to a new addition to the show, a Kenku who is introduced as Fandango, the lucky winner and fan of the show, but now, sheltered from prying eyes, you found out that they work for the Resistance, but don't exactly know what that entails. Outside, you can see the purple-eyed ravens hopping around, annoyed to be missing the action within. The resistance? Yes, that's what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I understand this is probably a lot, but I need you all to keep treating me like Fandango. That's not my real name, obviously, but so long as we are under prying eyes, you, you, you need to keep treating me like that, that kid you thought I was. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. That's badass. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. He just like looks <laughs> off in the distance. <laughs> You're so YA. <laughs> Go ahead with your backstory. Uh, I wasn't about to share any of that. Uh, oh. I was going to say if we have any chance of taking him down, we need to fulfill those prophecies you got from Madame Eva. Then we need to figure out where that final battle takes place. I think we also have some time for a backstory if you want to share that. Because <laughs> I would like to know a little bit more about you. Pass. Can I convince you? Unlikely. Can I try? <laughs> <laughs> With this character, the characters interacting have just become Emily and Ian now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think we have more pressing matters. Keep your secrets. I, I think that's what he intends to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I know, I know. Okay, whatever. Yeah. What? Okay. So I'm going to turn back to them. Just do you think we should look for those things now? If you're all feeling up to it, I think we need to find them as soon as possible. Mm. It has to be tonight, right? I get the feeling tomorrow's go time. Okay. Will your sanctum remain up if we leave? Let me consult my notes. <laughs> <laughs> flip, 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 spellbook, spellbook, spellbook. Yes, it should last 24 hours. We have somewhere to come back to if we have to. Yeah. So let's hop to it. Where are we going first, fam? I, uh, I believe Irina drew you a map. May- might I see that quickly? Yes. I look over to Camilla to give you the map. I think Pancho had it. I do I do the thing. <laughs> uh, Fandango's going to sit down and uh, just copy down this map really quick cool. uh, in like a, a separate notebook from the autograph book, just so he has his own copy. Do we have a vague intuition for like which cardinal direction is where? Because we know which tower it is from the outside, right? It's difficult to know exactly where where it is. You know that it's a bit more towards the north. You you have a good sense that if you go up, sees your lifting friend, then you should be able to to get there. Looking at this map on the third floor, there is a spiral staircase that seems to go up, surrounded by question marks, and the O's are hearts. <laughs> Give me a history check. History, okay. Seventeen. Okay. In your time of watching the show for information and to get one up on the competition, um, mm-hmm. you know that a lot of the stairs that go up past like this floor or higher all result in a tower top place where you can quite easily get from one set of stairs to the other. They are use it a lot in the show because it's very atmospheric because there's like a big kind of stretch of bridge that goes from one set of stairs to the other uh, and they like characters to go up there because there's always like a fun moment of oh, they're a bit close to the edge and then either things come of it or they don't. And we're about to break. <laughs> I'm going to have to put these maps on the social media so that the folk at home home uh understand they really are beautiful i don't thank know. you like i'm not just saying that i mean i put a lot of heart into it you did a, a great job hand drawing these maps like i thank would not you. have the patience yeah. for this so where do we want to go first let's go down we have a pretty direct route to the cask mapped out i vote we do that first that seems like a good place to start you guys heading down yeah, yeah let's go Fandango will take the lead a little ahead of the group because he's like stealthing and scoping it out. Uh, you guys exit both the sanctum and the hut. Somebody. Anyone's told Burst out. Non-copyright version of All-Star uh, playing in the background. And you guys head back towards the stairs that you came up. As you descend back down them, you still feel the same cold gust of air. And while you go further down from the the rooms that you started, you can still hear in the dining room the sad tones of Strahd playing his piano. You head down following Davian's map, going down one more floor. Uh, You see that the stairs curl around and go even deeper into the castle. You've come out on a dusty 10-foot-wide and 30-foot-long corridor with a flat ceiling 10-foot overhead. You see the web-filled staircase go down into darkness, and at the northern end, you see a wooden door. 
check to see if the door's locked. Uh, you walk over to the door and it gives a little bit of resistance, but it doesn't seem to be locked. It just seems to be stiff and you open it easily enough. Peek through. There is a corridor outside of here. Uh, there are four doors that you can see and there is more corridor to the east uh, where you have been told by Davian's map that the cask lies. There is also a large set of stairs going up. Let's keep following the map, I guess. Easily enough, you go through the door, taking your time and making sure you don't make an abundance of noise as you're stealthing around this castle and manage to make your way into the area with the casks. Out here, the arched frames of stone form a low, wet ceiling over the wine cellar. Great casks line the walls, their bands rusting and contents long since spilled onto the floor. A few hungry rats made their home here, but upon your sudden arrival, they retreat to the shadows. The casks all bear the burned brand of the Wizards of Winery Place that I keep forgetting that you renamed it. And I had to write it and now say it again. So that's good. The ones to the north uh, look more ornate than the ones to the east or south. And the middle one of these casks you see has a gap in the paneling. Wait, sorry, what do you mean by a gap in the paneling? Uh, so you know how the casts are made of like those nice big barrel Okay, slats? there's like a, like a strip of wood missing. Well, not missing. You see that it's been like pulled up and it's not laid flat back down in that like airtight seal that they need. Let's shove our heads in that hole, that <laughs> gap. Let's, let's, Ew. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you go, you go over to it. Um, who, who's cracking this wood out? Cause like it's the, the gap is not really big enough to, to fit hand inside. Uh, who's strengthening uh, this off, baby? I have a crowbar. If that helps. I think it gives you advantage on these checks. You have a crowbar? <sighs> yes. Crow, crow, crowbar. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Y'all. It's Ray Hutton, everybody. No, I didn't do it. That was Allie, and then I was just explaining Allie's going to Oh, no. <laughs> I need more, al- I need, not alcohol, I need more caffeine. Gosh. <laughs> But the, but the problem is that you you know what you you let you you realized what the joke was and then you felt that mm-hmm. uh, we needed to know yeah. it. That's the I did I did feel like it needed to be because everyone does puns and then Allie does a great pun and then it's just left at the door. I was like, no, sorry, I need this. He just like spelled it out for us, yeah. so it's fine. I need this for the podcast. Yay, Allie! Yay. Good pun, Allie, everybody. <laughs> pun, pun, pun. Ian refusing to clap. Okay, I see where you're at. <laughs> I, I am a conscientious objector. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you wanna you wanna crowbar this out? Sure. Kathy's there, right? Oh yeah, Kathy's there. But eh. oh yeah, I'll hand it to Kathy. <laughs> she has strength. Kathy <laughs> has strength. Uh, yeah, Kathy. Yeah, Kathy do. Kathy do. How Kathy do? Kathy easily takes it and with her practices just takes the uh, the panel out, and you see the the pitch dark interior of the cask turn it over and dump it out. You'll definitely have to have some help because these things are fucking heavy. But yeah, Kathy will help you easily enough. Like you (laughs) spin it round, like give it a little shoogle and out of it falls, it seems like two bundles of paper. One of them that lands down uh, looks like a beautiful tome 
Uh, it's got a leather-bound cover with steel fastenings and Strahd's crest on the cover. The second looks a lot more, like, badly. Like, this was the first, like, the tome looks weathered but artfully. The second looks weathered but gross. This one seems to only be a bunch of sheets of paper fastened together, dumped out onto the floor. Book, I'm gonna go read it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll pick up the loose sheets of paper and start trying to organize them if there's any obvious order to them. They're all attached together, so like it's more like shuffling them back into place. Like they are, they're still on like their same like ring binding. Camilla, are you grabbing the uh, the tome one? Yes. Yeah. While the leaves of paper get organized, are you are you reading it or just grabbing it? Um, I think I'm gonna open it at least to the front page. You open it to see that uh, it's filled with a beautiful, ornate curling script. And if you were close enough, you see that it has striking resemblance to the handwriting of Strahd as he gave his signature to the fanboy Fandango. It seems to be some sort of diary. Many of the pages are worn away, but a good number of them still seem intact. Are there any dates? The dates on it, because Ismay doesn't understand dates, are helpfully scrubbed away. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like at one point there were dates, but then Ismay got confused about numbers, so they're not there anymore. I mean, time's weird in Barovia anyway, so like... weird in Barovia. uh, Wibbly wobbly. I was trying to help you, Ismay, and then you said it so weird that I wish I hadn't. (laughs) I did not say it weird. (laughs) Fandango, you looking over the other bundle of paper, having sorted them out, you see that this one on the front sheet of paper, it says Strahd episode, and then that's also destroyed by time. And then it says V1 draft. So it says version one? V1 draft. Of episode episode number, who knows? Strahd's a robot. What? Oh, no. Uh, I guess I'll read. I have like the script in my hand. That was the loose leaf. Yeah, I'll read that. I assume by the word tome, I'm not going to be able to get all the way through it unless we're here for several hours. To be fair, a lot of it is destroyed. So the amounts of things that you can actually legibly read are fewer and far between. So of the legible things, you can make it through a decent amount. Yes, I'd like to read it. Excellent. A lot of the parts that remain, it tells the history of Barovia. It tells about the magic that Strahd acquired from his dark pact, although a lot of the details of it uh, seem to be both ruined and angrily scored out. There is also a passage that stands out to you from the very end. I am the ancient. I am the land. My beginnings are lost in the darkness of the past. I was the warrior. I was good and just. I thundered across the land like the wrath of a just god, but the war years and the killing years wore down my soul as the wind tears stone into sand. As Camilla reads, her voice carries over as the scene of the heroes fades from the audience's view, and emerging from the darkness are the oldest scenes of the show. Their pilot episode as Strahd, human and dressed in his gleaming armor, looks out over the lands of Barovia before they bore that name. There are flashes of battle, Strahd gleaming and perfect as he leads his army to victory. All goodness slipped from my life. I found my youth and strength gone, and all I had left was death. My army settled in the Valley of Barovia and took power over the people in the name of a just god, but with none of a god's grace or justice. Here the audience sees Strahd again, though the vibrance has gone from his eyes as he sits alone in his throne room, the echoes of war around him. 
I called for my family, long unseated from their ancient thrones, and brought them here to settle in the castle Ravenloft. They came with a younger brother of mine, Sergei. He was handsome and youthful. I hated him for both. The audience sees Sergei for the first time in a long, long while. He bears a passing familiar resemblance to Strahd, but his bright eyes and carefree smile clash against Strahd's newly bittered stare as he invites his brother into the castle. From the families of the valley, one spirit shone above all others. A rare beauty who is called perfection, joy, and treasure. Her name was Tatiana, and I longed for her to be mine. Tatiana fills the view of the audience, a long look at the woman who many regard with fondness and others with hate. Either way, seeing her again after so long has the desired effect, ripping at people's nostalgia. I loved her with all my heart. I loved her for her youth. I loved her for her joy. But she spurned me. Old One was my name to her. Elder. And brother also. Her heart went to Sergei. They were betrothed. The date was set. The music swells and the scenes that follow play out in rapid succession, telling the story of betrayal that made the show rise in fame all those years ago. The image of Strahd lurking in his castle, watching Sergei and Tatiana with jealous eyes. The rush to the Amber Temple where Strahd calls upon the ancient powers within and falls to the floor as the swell of darkness rushes into his body, almost too much to bear. His return to the castle where he sees Sergei waiting at the altar, who looks towards him with confusion, then horrified realization, only once Strahd's teeth buried deep in his neck, draining the blood from his body and sealing his dark pact. The music calms as the scene fades, opening again on Tatiana, who weeps in the once beautiful gardens, Strahd approaching her softly. She fled from me. She would not let me explain, and a great anger swelled within me. She had to understand the pact I made for her. I pursued her. The words of the tome were reflected once again, Tatiana tripping and scraping her body raw as she flees through the castle, Strahd running after her, a looming dark shape from behind. Eventually, the chase ends, Tatiana standing on a bridge between two towers, fear in her eyes as the wind tosses her hair. She looks to Strahd, whose walk slows as he approaches her. She looks to him, then out over the side of the bridge to the land far, far below. She closes her eyes and takes her final step. I watched everything I ever wanted fall from my grasp forever. The scene cuts back to the present, but not yet to the heroes. It turns to Strahd, whose face is now illuminated by a crackling fire as he looks up at a portrait that we do not see. His eyes move restlessly, but they hold all of the anger and fear and despair that they did years ago. He shuts his eyes just as one perfect tear escapes down his cheek. Only then do the heroes fade back into existence for the audience. Close on Camilla, fingers scanning down the page as she reads aloud from the tome. I have studied much since then. Vampire is my new name. I still lust for life and youth. And I curse the living that took them from me. Even the sun is against me. It is the sun and its light I fear the most, but little else can harm me now. But the sword 
that cursed sword that Sergei brought? I must dispose of that awful tool. I fear and hate it as much as the sun. I have often hunted for Tatiana. I have even felt her within my grasp, but she escapes. What will it take to bend her love to me? Hello there, nerds, and welcome back to the middle of the podcast break chat with your host and DM, Ismay. Hope that you are enjoying this episode in the final chapters of The Curse of Strahd. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I hope that you're you're having a wonderful time. I hope you enjoyed that little dramatic bit there. Um, I enjoyed writing it. It was fun. Um, but yeah, let's get to all the middle of podcast break test stuff so you can get back to the episode. Uh, first up, if you don't know, we are a Crit Chat production. Uh, Crit Chat is a D&D advice and comedy podcast that we found all these beautiful people in in the first place. It's where we all met. Uh, and yeah, we give D&D advice and give the lowdown on a bunch of D&D stuff uh, and also just to have a good chuckle fuck time. You can find it anywhere that you find podcasts at Crit Chat. Uh, we share all of our social media with Crit Chat, so if you want to find us on social media, you can do that. So you can find us if you search Crit Chat on Facebook or on Twitter, uh, or you can find us on YouTube. Uh, we've also got our Discord, which is in the description of wherever you are listening to this. Really helps us out if you go there and give us shoutouts if people are looking for a podcast, because we don't pay to advertise, and then no one will listen to us if you don't tell them to. Uh, and that would make us very happy if you told them. Again, that's looking for Crit Chat on like Facebook and Twitter and all that jazz. Yes. If you want to help us out in a money's way, that would be great, because we need to use money to keep us up and running. You can do this over on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash critchat, all one word. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, it really helps us out, because we need to keep this going, and if we don't have the monies, then we can't put this on platforms, and people can't listen to it, and that would suck. So again, if you want to help us out for as little as a dollar a month, that is patreon.com forward slash critchat, all one word. Uh, you get a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff there. There's going to be a heck of a lot from uh, Half Damage. You get, like, all the backlogs of it. So you get to hear all of the, the old stuff. There's a lot of good content that we're just not able to put in the show. But you can hear it there if you would like. Thank you so much in advance. I'm going to let you get back to the episode now. Hope you're enjoying, and I'll see you later. While this is being read aloud by Camilla, uh, I was going to say Fang, my heart, Fandango. I just realized it doesn't help that I made their names kind of similar, Fang and Fandango. Fang, I mean, that's yeah. going to help yeah. because I'll be like, Fangdango, and so I can cheat it. <laughs> yeah. No one will ever know. Fandango, you read through the script. It is also badly damaged. Probably doesn't help that it was inside an old musty wine thing. But a lot of it seems quite familiar to the passage that is read allowed to from the end of the tome. However, it's got several very large and significant differences. It's also not written like an angsty teenager. It's written like a script. Mm -hmm. But at the end of this script, in the same matter of the tome, you hear as Strahd secretly murders his brother, goes to find Tatiana weeping in the garden. And in the script, after a moment, it says that she flings herself into his arms sobbing, asking who could have done something so monstrous. Strahd replies that he has no idea as he, and I quote, grins with a gloating edge, moonlight upon his fangs. This whole end is crossed out in someone's ink and there are scribbled notes over the top. 
that just say, rewrite all, Tatiana's out, next season's screwed, whole rewrite needed, gods help us. There are other notes in it that read, casting call for replacements, question mark, Titan contracts, underlined several times, and an angry tirade against Tatiana's actress that bleeds through the pages. Does it say the actress's name? Uh, it seems that Tatiana was, like like a lot of the people in Barovia, their real names are used for the show. Wow, I can't believe they got Tatiana Maslany before <laughs> Orphan Black. That's huge. <laughs> right? You know what? I'm 100% going to say that that was the better deal that she went and moved on to. After- <laughs> I'm tying this world into our world now. Fucking Tatiana went on to do Orphan Black. Hell yeah. So if I'm hearing that right, she was able to escape her contract because they did didn't have it tight enough, which is why they've tightened the contract since. And they had to rewrite it because she wasn't going to be there. Yeah. Irina was her stunt double. Interesting. So the the kind of diary one is Strahd's diary, if that's right. Well, was the original show The Vampire Diaries? (laughs) Yet. No, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that's confusing me is that the diary is written as though Strahd lived through the second draft of the script. Or if um, this diary is like pre-show. Well, the the diary includes Tatiana. Yeah, yeah. And then why, like, well, I guess I could do this in-game. Why were these here? Could be someone was trying to hide them. Could just be part of the game. Right. But they weren't kept in good condition, and they could have just destroyed them, and they could have put them somewhere else in our path. Why are they in the castle, and why hasn't Strahd- Good, you found my old diary! As soon as he hears that voice, Uh Fandango's gonna shove the script, like, in his bag. (laughs) At least it wasn't me who did it, everybody! (laughs) I honestly didn't think it counted anymore because we were in the castle. (laughs) That's fair. But yeah, Strahd takes a good number of steps forward and grins at you all, cocking his head to the side and goes, Now, I'm not entirely sure, but I was under the impression that Radin had already shown you your rooms. Were you looking for, I don't know, a little wine to send you to sleep? You could have asked. I would have happily sent you some. Well, we just didn't want to wake up any of your people, you know, so I I think we can find our way back. I have been looking for my diary for a good long while. May I please have it back? And he holds out a hand for it. I high-five him. Mm, Not nope. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I mean, it's, it's yours, so I imagine giving it back to you is the right thing to do. But why was it here? He looks to the side, like down the corridor that you you came from, and looks back to you and goes, I'm quite sure that I don't know. This is a large castle, and there are lots of people within the walls, some of which do like to take things which don't belong to them. And the more perceptive of you can hear, like, scuttling just after he says that. And he gives, like, a dispassionate snort and turns back to you and goes, It has been misplaced for a while now. 
I'm going to nod and hand it back to him. He smiles graciously and bows his head. Wait, Knave, Havathi. And Fandango's going to jump forward and try to just grab at some of the pages of the diary before he puts it away. (laughs) Okay. Like, he knows he has has no chance of pulling it out of his hands. He's just grabbing the, the pages. Give me a dexterity. You're trying to snatch. Oh, wow. That's generous of you. Uh, 23. So, yeah, obviously you can't get the main portion of it as he has a vice-like grip, but you manage to tear some of the pages out from it, and he looks at you with a murderous rage and goes, Now, this does not seem like the behavior of honored guests. Well, you, okay, in all so the, honesty, they're new to the party. They're, they're new. Like, we're trying this kid to teach is gonna them. get us killed. You know, they were actually like sleepwalking, and then we were like, "Hey!" And then they woke up, and they're like, "I, I have a real, I have a strong need." And I was like, "Look, ah, ah. oh, I was sleepwalking again. Now I'm fully awake. It was a double sleepwalk Inception style." Strahd looks around at you with a practiced disdain before tucking the rest of the tome. He takes one more look at you all and turns his back uh, and begins to walk away and goes, I would recommend you go back to your rooms, little rats. And you see as he disappears before your eyes into a swarm once again of bats. I'm... I'm sorry, guys. I kind of screwed that one. Was that... I can't tell if this is Ali or Camilla. (laughs) (laughs) That's both of us. See, I'm going to just keep going back and forth. (laughs) Well, no, I'm sorry. But what you did was a very sorry move. But I will accept the apology. It's okay. Let's go back. He's going to be looking for us now. Or we just take a little detour on the way back. You think we can get away with that? Yeah. We've already been caught once. We might as well push through it. What's he going to do? Kill us? <laughs> well, I don't think he's going to do it because it would be not very climactic. He wants like a huge spectacle. If he kills us in a hallway with a candlestick, that's not fun. <laughs> well, I know a game that no, would that's... disagree. <laughs> <laughs> the movie's great. Vampirism was a red herring. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, what's your what's your plan? I I think it's true. I think we can keep going. I, I you know this is I think we're sort of in the as long as we don't get caught again. I think the deal is sort of an unwritten like as long as you don't get caught. Yeah, naughty naughty. <laughs> I think that's kind of where we're at. Easier that's, to the, ask we're, we're... forgiveness than permission. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, I say we keep going. We could keep going down to try to find the tomb, or we could double back to wherever we think the place of supplication is. Can you remind me of what the supplication one is again? Uh, It's a weapon. Amid the ruins of a place of supplication. So I'm thinking either the throne room or the chapel. I would think the throne room, but... I'm feeling the chapel, maybe, because I feel like the throne room will be where we go to in the end, maybe. And... But but maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like a throne room on the second floor is a lot less likely to be in ruins, because it's the ruins of a place of supplication. Right. And vampires uh, right. can't. And the worship. chapel is more likely to be destroyed. Yeah, whichever one is is destroyed. Go into the chapel, and we're not gonna get married, but we might just witness a supplication, maybe. Beautiful. 
So the the chapel then? We're going to the chapel. <laughs> okay, yes. I, uh, yes. I apologize. <laughs> so looking at the map, there seems to be a staircase leading into the chapel from the second floor. If we could find that staircase into it, I think it would be better to avoid going on <laughs> the, the main floor for now. By the sad man room. <laughs> I'd also like to avoid the creepy statue hall, because that sounds like a bad time. <laughs> with yeah, the no. frowny face. We've, we've had experience with creepy statues before. I don't want to do, redo that. All right, so you guys heading up to the second floor. Again, I'll, uh, I'll scout ahead being all stealthy-like. Excellent. I think from here, we're going to need some stealth checks from everybody. It's been a while, baby. Oh, it's a nat 20, baby. Nat 20, it's baby? A 13 for me. Nine. And... Uh, 34. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> what kind of a character did you roll, Ian? A very, very sneaky one. <laughs> you guys go back along the corridor and start heading back up. The only staircase you've been on in this place, it's still musty and cold, but you're getting real used to it. But even so, there are some missteps and fumbles from both Poncho and Kathy. But at the side of... One of them is Fandango, and at the side of the other is Sari, who managed to, every time that they've tripped over things, managed to mitigate that and stop them from falling down like a whole flight of stairs and making the most noise anyone's ever made. And so you all managed to stealthily move up the stairs onto the second floor. There is a door that is on that landing, into which it says on the map from Irina is the sad man room, frowny face. Can I listen at the door to see if I hear a, a sad man? <laughs> Roll me an investigation. I cast Sense Sad. <laughs> uh, 21. You hear a snoring coming from behind the door. Okay. Is the door locked? Uh, you test it and the door is not locked. I'll turn around and... Uh... I was going to say press my finger to my lips, but I don't have lips, so I guess it's at like the end of my beak. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, slowly walk into the room. You push open the door to this room, and you are all able to see in this fairly well-lit room dusty scrolls and tomes that line the walls. Uh, There are more scrolls and books that lie scattered on the floor. In the center of this clutter stands a great black desk. A figure atop a tall stool seems to be slumped forward, chin to chest, quill hanging from his currently very limp hand as he snores soundly. Can I poke my head over his shoulder to see what he's writing? You can indeed. Like, look, I was going to make you roll again, but you had a fucking insane roll, so do it. You look over and it seems to be a bunch of numbers. It's a lot of numbers. There's like ingoings and outgoings and money, money garbage. And whatever people that do money understand and write about. Is this for the castle or for the show? It seems to be for the castle. Okay, not interested. All right, well, we can probably just keep moving. Is he doing numbers in his sleep? You, you listen and he's snoring and you hear like, <sighs> five, seven, five, one, two. <laughs> I'm just saying numbers. I don't know any accounting terms, so I'm just saying numbers. Carry the two. <laughs> You're in arrears to clear bankruptcy. Awful. You close the door behind you, careful not to wake the sad man. In here, dim light from the courtyard falls into this great hall. At the far southern end, a large wooden throne stands atop a marble dais. The high-backed throne faces away from most of the room. This is uh, the weird throne room, question mark. So we just need to go uh, through that north hall to 
find the spiral stairs, right? We're not looking for the spiral stairs. We're looking for the ones on the left. Wait, the si- oh, I'm looking at the second floor being like, but where does it say that? Cool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's they, they, they aren't reflected anywhere on the second floor. So either we're looking yeah, for yeah, something yeah. she didn't see or we're looking for a secret door that leads to these stairs. Mm-hmm. The, the the third option is Ismay for, didn't fucking see them on the map. and j- That's also possible. That might yeah. have been the third option. <laughs> We'll give our infallible uh, DM a second. Yeah, don't even worry about it. Infallible is right, baby. Ain't never made a mistake. What we'll start now, baby? <laughs> All right. So you guys heading through the hall? Yeah, let's yeah. head into the hall there. Cool. You make your way through two sets of double doors and down a long, dusty hallway. The end of this hallway opens up to a long, thin room. A sculpted stone railing encloses this long balcony, which overlooks the rooms below namely Ravenloft's chapel. Two ornate thrones stand side by side in the center of this balcony, covered with dust and strung with cobwebs. The thrones face away from the double doors that give access to the balcony. So we, we didn't see any other doors coming through this hallway? Not through this hallway. just a straight this shot was, from... Yeah, this was just a straight shot. Okay. Though looking across this long, thin balcony, you see a staircase uh, leading down. Cool. Gonna scout down these stairs, make sure they're the ones that connect to the chapel. Yep. Uh, the rest of you following suit. Yeah. No, I'm gonna split the party. <laughs> yeah. Not like a 50-50 <laughs> split. It's just everyone and then sorry. So yeah, you start going down uh, these stairs. And sure enough, once you reach the bottom, you can see the starts of the chapel inside. There's dim-colored light that filters in through the tall, broken, and boarded-up windows of stained glass, illuminating the ancient chapel of Ravenloft. A few bats flutter about near the top of the 90-foot-high domed ceiling. Benches that are scattered and coated with centuries of dust in a jumbled disarray. Beyond the debris, lit by a piercing shaft of light, an altar stands upon a stone platform. The light from above falls directly over a statuette. A cloaked figure gives you pause as they are draped over the altar, but it becomes clear that they are very, very dead, with a black mace lying on the floor near its feet. Is this uh, a contestant? I mean, you've been you've been watching the show. You know. Yeah, this was one of the previous adventurers who had gone a bit wrong because he really wanted to be a vast supreme overlord of the world. And you know his name is Gustav Herengast. And he was coming to get items of power, one of which is this little sculpture that he was trying to reach for. However, he touched it and died like a bitch. <laughs> So we don't want to touch that. I don't know. What, what was our exact wording for this um, in the place of supplication? I think it was a weapon of great power amidst the ruins of a place of supplication. Is it as literal as being like the mace? Can I look at the mace? <laughs> you can. I raise my eyebrow at the mace. Give me an arcana anyway. Do I remember Gustav using this mace? Is this like his? This was this was his mace, yeah. Like he was very into this stupid fucking mace. <laughs> he loved this stupid mace. A 28. When you're looking at it, it looks like a regular mace. The closer you get to it, the more you see a kind of shimmer around it. And as soon as your professional curiosity gets the better of you and you get like real close and start like peering down at it, uh, the air around it seems to be wavering like in a heat haze. And then it suddenly changes and becomes the hilt of a sword. You broke it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. The hilt of a sword? Yes. Like the mace just like poofed into that? Yes. 
I was going to say, I don't think the mace is what we're looking for. That doesn't seem like a... I mean, it was a mace, but it's sudden transformation <laughs> into a sword hilt has me intrigued. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's like a weapon that adapts to what you need or the person who gets picks it up, maybe. That's yeah. my working theory. Sorry walks up to it. Whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see if it changes like when I walk up to it. You go over to it. It still remains a sword hilt. Before it was very like utilitarian and very, ah, yes, this is a sword hilt to something that's like a little more ostentatious and a little more, it's got a little bit of flair to it. Maybe some flame designs to match the Oh the yeah, apron. Ma- matches the yeah. apron a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Intrigued, I think Fandango will just poke it. <laughs> Everyone crouched around and just like poking at this thing. It changes again. It dodges the line between utilitarian and more ornate. The cross guard of the hilt changes to like, it looks like a curling eye symbol. I will poke the sword hilt. Camilla touches it uh, and again still remains a sword hilt um, mm. but instead of the eye at the, the cross guard it turns into like a large flaming sun. Cool. Um, if no one objects I'll just pick it up. Doesn't seem to be harmful immediately. Yeah I'm not, I'm not gonna get a strong harmful vibe from it I assume. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll scoop it up. Yeah, it, you hold it in your hand. It, it feels weird because it feels like it's perfectly weighted, which you feel It feels strange. balanced even though there's no blade. Yeah, there's yeah. no blade, but it balanced. And you're like, smoky smoky, that's weird. Can I slash at the body as though there's a blade? Just like swing it to see if it's maybe invisible. I don't know. <laughs> you, give, you give like a wild <laughs> slash and you hear like a very muted like through the air, but uh, it doesn't seem that anything happens. Seems like if this is our weapon, we have to figure out how to activate it. Maybe maybe you just need to spend an hour getting to know it, by which I mean no tuning. <laughs> Buy some dinner, take it to a movie. <laughs> I also have another spell called Identify that is a first level spell. Identify might be better, actually. Just so you can figure out how yeah. to use it. Yeah, just if it's, yeah, if it's a first level. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. All right, I'll use it. A touch. You Bink. give it a touch. You touch it for a whole minute. Like, remember the weird thing that you did with Irina's yep. ear? That, oh, yeah. but less weird this time. <laughs> um, I forgot about that. I forgot about that too. <laughs> <laughs> so you, this hilt, and you are uh, aware in a rush of identifying knowledge that this is indeed referred to as the sun sword. It requires attunement, and it also, with the tags made by this, does radiant damage. And when you hit an undead with it, the target takes an extra 1d8 of radiant damage. So we have to attune to it before we can turn it on at all. Yeah. Um, You also are aware that it requires a command word to spring into action. Sansword! (laughs) Dayman! You know that this will uh, be able to set it when you attune to it. This is significant. This is quite the weapon against any undead. Oh. It might be worth taking a break in your sanctum now, Poncho, so we can use this. Because my worry is we keep gallivanting around the castle, mess up, and lose it before we can use it. I think that's a good idea. Let's go. Same way, the way we came. Uh, Yeah. Back through Sad Man. Back through the hall, through the Sad Man room. And then just Uh, going up. Up up the spiral staircase, yeah. Cool. Uh, Roll me some stealth checks. Would everybody like some guidance on this? Or wait, sure. I, I think I can only have one going at a time, actually. So who has the worst stealth? 
I would rate my stealth a two. <laughs> yeah, mine's a three. All right, uh, Poncho, go ahead and roll an extra d4 with your stealth check then. Thanks. Still not great. That's a 12. It's a nine. Seven. 21. Oh my god, yeah. Save us. <laughs> <laughs> You guys uh, head through the way that you came, going back up the stairs, through corridors, uh, and arrive back at the room of the sad man. This time when you you poke your head through the door, Fandango, you're obviously going first because you're Mm -hmm. the stealthy one. Sneaky as fuck. Uh, You open it very softly, very stealthily, and walk in, make sure that the sleeping man is still sleeping look back and motion to them to come through. The rest turn to each other and do a shh and walk and then a shh and a walk and a shh and a walk and like all at once it's cartoonish honestly when they're all at different points trailing through like little baby ducks following their mama and at the same time all fucking four of the rest Poncho, sorry, Camilla and Kathy all catch their stupid little oh, toes. Oh, Kathy's with Kathy's us. Kathy's also there. Yeah. Uh, Kathy, <laughs> all of you stub your stupid little toes and go slamming into the floor at the same time. At which point, the old wizened man behind the table sits up and goes, what was that? I pretend to be a rogue. Uh, uh, can, Fa- can Fandango like hide behind something before they're seen? Yeah, you're essentially at the other door. I'm going to I'm gonna hide behind that so so uh fandango sees that he he wakes up mm-hmm. and uh slips behind the other side of the door frame yeah. out of sight no problem um before the guy can get up and turn around fandango's gonna clear his throat and go like all right showtime uh and then open his mouth in a perfect voice replication of count strad yeah baby uh and i think he's gonna cast thaumaturgy first yeah. to make his voice boom a little bit and he'll say uh, with as much <laughs> douchiness as possible. Have you been sleeping on the job again? You're doing perfect imitations. Uh, <laughs> give me a performance. Uh, I think it's deception. Yeah, go for it. Okay, I rolled a 12. You're so lucky he rolls like utter garbage. <laughs> Yes. You see <laughs> as this old man looking up, still bewildered from waking, gives a snore and looks around and goes, ah, no, 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 sir, no, no, sir. Sorry, sir. Uh, and immediately goes back to, to scribbling notes with a, a fevered pitch. You can hear clinking. It seems that chains that are on his arms are shuggling around as he, as he writes. He's going to continue saying, Get back to work right now. Do not look up from those numbers or you will be punished. Smart. Yeah, and then I think Fandango will like lean around the corner and be like... I, I'm like, what's army the crawl? Like, like, like army, army, army crawl, army crawl. Yeah, thank you. I'm like, where my where? Worm, 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 worm. Uh, you guys go past this man who is now feverishly and seemingly terrified uh, as he writes more numbers that I don't understand. As you <laughs> manage to slip from the room back into the stairway, the Strahd portrait greets you at the top. As again, well, it doesn't like actually greet. I realize that we're in a fantasy world, and there's a world that it actually is like, hey guys, but it's not. It's just there. But yeah, you head back into the uh, the lounge that has all the bedrooms leading off of it. You still have the sanctum, uh, and you also still have the hut. I'm going in, I guess. Yeah. So we're basically just taking a short rest, right? I guess so. Yeah. I believe. Who? This is this is the question. Who? Mm. Who? Didn't think about. I think that. in terms of proficiency, Poncho can't wield it. You don't know that. You don't. I would 
love it. You don't know my life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like a light, finesse weapon. Probably the I, I imagine the rogue. <laughs> would you like it? <laughs> um, does anyone else want it? Oh, I suppose sorry would be good with it as well. I, I can take it. Are you usually in melee? No, but from a, from a purely meta game perspective, it's probably the rogue. I assume. Yeah. Because getting crits with extra dice of damage, so crits are good. Yeah, that's true. Do you have a silvered weapon, Emily? No, I don't. If I take this, I can give you my rapier. It's been silvered. Okay. Nice. Sure. I'll be good taking that. Do a little swapsies. And you got, again, the hilt in your hand uh, changes to the the eye looking out at you. Uh, okay. Spend the next hour attuning to it. Yeah, everyone takes a short little rest if anyone has anything that they need on a short rest. And you now have the opportunity to give it a word to activate it. I want something that would piss him off when he hears it. So I, I'm debating between... Tatiana? Yeah, see, that's my first thought. Either her or his brother. Sergey. I feel like those could both hit, uh, hit hard if he hears that before going into combat you know this sword like it looked a bit different in that you know it was a full a full blade Mm -hmm. um but it's got like this sunburst pattern on it and you you remember that this was actually the blade that was wielded by his brother sergey oh well there you go Fandango, you take your newly attuned sword hilt and hold it up in front of you, looking at the eye design and sunburst on the hilt. You take a moment and then say, Sergey. <laughs> <laughs>